This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Zach and I just being three small children in a trench coat recording a podcast talking about adult themes because we are real adults. We're adults. We're, we're, we, we can swear. We can say bad words. I can, we're adults. I can buy alcohol. Maybe. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, welcome back to Roller Credits Podcast. I'm Frank. I'm Zach. And today we are doing a film that I absolutely adore, and that is You Were Never Really Here. Zach. I'm here. You are here. Please give us the rundown. I'll give us the rundown, and then we can discuss. We're going to get into it. So, You Were Never Really Here came out in 2018, directed by Lynn Ramsey. You have... Joaquin Phoenix as your main character. The boy. <laughs> who plays Joe. You have Katerina Sams- Samsonov, who plays Nina, the main, main reason yeah. for Joe at this point. Um, you have Alejandro Navala, who plays Governor Williams, who is your main antagonist. And then you have Judith Anna Roberts, who plays Joe's mom. And that's pretty much everybody like you can throw in like the ball peen hammer yeah he <laughs> played by ron perlman yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good spot <laughs> um and this is a movie about a guy who uh definitely has ptsd of some kind mm-hmm. um and he ends up coming back from the war or some type of he's like either like an fbi like an ex-fbi agi um but he's definitely seen like some crazy shit in his life and he ends up like coming out of that and now he's basically made it his his life where he now traces down children who have been um taken kidnapped and brought into the sex slave world and he basically tries to rescue them um and then he ends up getting a job that ends up spiraling into a insane twist of events mm-hmm. um, that I didn't even understand the first time that I saw it. And then I had to go back and rewatch it. And I was like, all right, now I get it. But it's, this movie's dark. You're <laughs> <laughs> telling me. This movie is incredibly dark. From the very first like opening stuff, I've never been more scared of like a plastic bag in my life. <laughs> yeah. So... I've been kind of talking up this film for mm. years now, literally, um, to you, um, and I'm kind of hoping that you enjoyed it as much as I like it. Uh, I don't know if you will, because I know that this movie this movie is definitely controversial. Mm. I think a lot of people didn't like this film, and I think a lot of people really, really love this movie, um, so I would love to get Zach's hot take. I think I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I, <laughs> I, did, I did, like, so much, like, soul searching afterwards, and, like... I, I was talking to Jess about it because, like, she saw, like, a, a good, like, half <laughs> of it. That was really funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but, like, I was talking to Jess, like, because she watched, like, half of it. And she was like, what do you think? And I was like, I think I like this movie. I got to let it, like, serenade yeah. with me a little yeah. bit. And I'm still kind of, like, in that boat of, like, I think I like this movie. Mm-hmm. Because you have, like, a lot of things going for it. You have Joaquin Phoenix, who is just always fantastic. Dude, he is incredible in this movie. Mm-hmm. You always have to love, like, Joaquin Phoenix, like, what he does in films. Like, he really took the more, like, methodical approach with this. Mm -hmm. And something that I absolutely love, too, is, and you love, too, 
You don't know what I love. I know what you love. There's almost no exposition at yeah, all in this film. That was, it's all just visual storytelling. That's my um that's my biggest praise for this movie is I think that in in a I think this might be one of the greatest examples of visual storytelling in a modern film. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of anything off the top of my head besides, like, Christopher Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Never saw it. Um, Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, no, I know who... I know, like, what, oh, okay. I know I know what DC world he's in, but... Um, uh, no, he's not a DC. He's character. Marvel. No. Christopher Robin? Winnie, Winnie the Pooh? Winnie the Pooh. Dresses up as a bat, right? Fights crime? No, he's got the ring that like makes him stronger. Ah, yes, yes. We're talking nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, yeah, Back so, to it. Um, yeah, no. Yeah. I think that this is really like a, a really, really incredible example of visual storytelling. And it's something that uh, Lynn Ramsey, the mm-hmm. director, she's just, I mean, I haven't, this is the only movie that I saw from her, Yeah, but I, I do want to dive deeper into her filmography because she, she also wrote this mm-hmm. and in reading the screenplay, I mean, I just couldn't help but be enthralled by the way that she writes. Mm-hmm. She writes very novelistic and very, she, she adds a lot of detail into, into her um, thing, you know, like something interesting about what she did is she actually, she actually like in preparation for Joaquin Phoenix's character, she actually just gave him a recording of fireworks yeah, and just like had him like listening to it like over and over and over again, just of like this constant, the constant just explosions going on like in his ears, because I imagine that's kind of like his headspace yeah. in this film. And I love that. Like, I thought that was a, a very clever idea to get you into, like, what the mindset of your main character is. Yeah. I always find Joaquin just, he's always pushing himself mm-hmm. to, like, the next. And and he's always pushing himself to another level. And, and he's always doing something interesting. And this movie is just another prime example of why, in my opinion, he's, like, one of the greatest actors ever. Yeah. He got real beefy for this movie yeah, too. Real thick. Yeah. <laughs> and you, then you see him in Joker, then you're like, oh, you're like, he just, so well, you look like at the master and too. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's super dude, skinny. He in puts that. himself through hell. Mm-hmm. He not really quite Christian it. Bale, but not quite Christian Bale. Not quite like a, yeah, no, actually Christian Bale, like really puts his body through it. Yeah. A little too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Please stop. We know what you look like. Yeah. Um, all right. So give me like, tell me what's going on. Like why, what do you, what do you like kind of like hot and cold about on this film? Um, so storyline wise, like I'm, I'm super enthralled in like what Joe is doing. Yeah. However, it almost feels like there's no real like antagonist. There's nothing really that like is pushing Joe forward too much other than like trying to save Nina. Well, that is the main thing. Well, yes, but I mean, like we'll get into it a little bit later on, but like Governor Williams is kind of like for five minutes led you to believe that like, okay, he's the main antagonist. Like he's the one that like we have to go after. He's the one that's like doing all of this and yeah. supporting all of this. Yeah. And the ending is just like so anticlimactic. Really? You find it anticlimactic? Yes. Like to most viewers, it'll be anticlimactic. But then something that I found that I loved about it was like what happens to Joe from that? Yeah. I think that this is a film that is, unapologetically a character study Mm -hmm. and i think that it's a very very good one similar to like like scorsese's like taxi driver like it is a character study and 
everything that is going on in this film pretty much is shown to you for how Joe is either perceiving it or accepting it or reacting to it. Mm-hmm. And look, I, I, I just want to get into it. Like when you get to the end of this movie and you realize that what's really been going on and that he was hired by the Senator. I think he was governor governor mm-hmm. um, to oh, no, go senator. Re- yeah. senator, right. To, to go retrieve his daughter. And then it turns out that that wasn't his daughter. And it turns out to be that he's actually part of this sex trade and where he is, he, that, that, you know, the girl is like one of his favorites. They literally say that. And then he, and then he just wants Joe to like get that kid back for him so he can continue to have sex with her. Mm-hmm. And Joe realizing all of this, and then it gets to this conclusion where he, like the whole movie is him like trying to get to her and feeling like that's literally like the only thing that is propelling him because look when when you meet like Joe's mom mm-hmm. and they have this really like loving connection yeah each and, other. and I and I I really really like their like their, their you know, back and forth yeah mm-hmm. and, and just like the dynamic that they have with one another and just how like they just it's it feels so genuine but that's you also realize that that's pretty much the only person in Joe's life. And when she gets killed and Joe even there's so much about this movie. Like you realize the type of character that Joe is like, I don't think that even that Joe even necessarily likes what he does. Like, I don't think that he enjoys going he's just out. Good at it. He's, he's really good at it, but it, I think it really kind of like is rooted in his childhood, childhood drama, drama from his, like from his father. Mm-hmm. Cause they, that was something that like I I loved and also didn't fully love about the film is that I love that like they're just sprinkling in like this is childhood trauma of like you know his father was like super abusive and everything like that. I just wish they like dabbled a little bit more into it mm-hmm. to really get in like the mindset of like you know what fully made him like become this. Yeah, like even so too they give you like basically a snippet of like him with an FBI hat on. Yeah. So they give you an idea of like, okay, maybe he was an FBI agent and like, you know, this is why, like he just saw way too much shit with like going into the room and seeing all the dead women. Yeah. That he was like, okay, I got to take matters into my own hands. Mm -hmm. I just wish they elaborated like slightly more on it. However, I think this is like one of the best uses of childhood trauma to like further a character's, origin almost yeah um and i i have to believe that like either joaquin phoenix like used this film to propel it or was it todd phillips tom phillips that did phillips todd phillips that did the joker i have to assume that he saw this movie and was like this is exactly why i need joaquin phoenix yeah because it i I think i said this when we did like a quick review of the joker with Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, when I said that, like, there's a lot of similarities mm-hmm. between his relationship with his mother and Joker and, yeah. like, his relationship with his mother in you, ne- you Were Never Really Here. And it feels very much, like, in the same, like, you know, in the same vein. Yeah. Um. So I'm glad that you 
Oh yeah, I picked up on that. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love too. Like they didn't ever really show like a full-on shot of like him beating anybody with the hammer. Or, yeah, like, a really anybody. interesting way to show violence. There's there's a few there's a few violent like scenes where that you actually kind of see what's going on. One of my favorite being the hotel room scene with the mirror on the uh, ceiling. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. it's just incredible. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, you get like like CT. What is it? CT. CCTV, whatever, like the camera CTV uh, angles of like him, like in the hallways, and it's like black and gray footage, whatever it is. It's a really interesting way to show violence. Yeah, like in that like weird sex place, like when it's just the security footage cameras. Yeah, I loved that because like I guess what Ramsey wanted to do was she wanted to showcase more of like a post rage aftermath, yeah. so to speak. So like in that, it's like this is the mindset that he's in like after everything. Yeah. But you don't fully see like what he's doing. You just see like what he did afterwards. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like showing you this movie, like doesn't show you what you do, what you don't need to see. Like Mm -hmm. it's, you know that he's, that he's going in there and he's killing these guys, but that's not really like the point. Like the point is him saving the girl. Yeah. So like, you don't really need to show him, beating these guys heads in with a with a with a hammer or anything because you know that that's what's going on and you kind of like from the start like with him just walking out of like the hotel room you understand that he is a badass not to be fucked with so like (laughs) you don't need to show like every little small thing of like what he can and can't do like you got that just from like the headbutt as soon as he walked outside too and that fucking robber i guess just like tried to mug him and he was like nope fuck you yeah yeah but um then we get to more of like the ending with but it. Before so we'll, we go there, yeah, before, I, re- I really want to talk about again like his relationship with his mom because like mm-hmm. like you have this really beautiful relationship with his mom, and then you get the scene where he comes home and he realizes that his mom has been killed, and then the people are still in the house, and he kills one of the guys, and he like kind of like fatally wounds the other guy, and showing the type of man that Joe is where they both kind of lie on the floor together. Mm-hmm. And in this guy's like last breaths, he kind of like puts his hand out to hold Joe's hand because he just like wants, he wants to be with somebody before he dies. Mm-hmm. And Joe holds his hand, even though this guy was kind of like an accomplice to his mother's murder. And they like sing a song together. That's like playing in the background. I guess that was all ad lib too. Yeah. And I mean, it is just, it's such it's so interesting to like be in the head of Joe because Mm -hmm. it's like after all of that, he's still, I would say that Joe is a really good person. Yeah. It's just that he has been dealt a shitty hand in life between like his past and like what he's kind of forced to do because he's good at it. Yeah. And the more that we talk about it, the more I'm leaning to, I I like this movie a lot. Yeah, I think it's a movie that for sure, like, Every fucking pick that I choose, every movie that I choose is that like, it's one of those movies that you got to kind of like go back and rewatch again. Mm-hmm. And like, now that you've seen it one time, you know what, you know what it is. Okay. Now it's, now you can kind of like sit down and watch it for a second time and you understand everything generally speaking. So now it's more of like an enjoyable watch, mm-hmm. you know, which after, after, you know, the death of his mom, it then progresses into possibly one of the most beautiful cinematic shots I have almost ever seen. And that's when he brings his mother to the river. Oh yes. And 
he has her wrapped up. And in this scene, Joe was fully ready to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Because he's kind of been like toying with it throughout the film of like with the bags over his head. Yeah. Like just trying to do asphyxiation or like the knife, like just letting it kind of fall. But it's always been like his mom calling him right before he does. Yeah. And I, and I don't, I don't know if that's like him going to kill himself or if that's more of like, like an adrenaline rush for him because like it, it kind of seems like his dad was doing similar stuff before, like either before he was abusive or after he was abusive to, to Joe as a kid. And it just seems like Joe is now like mimicking the, the, you know, the types of things that his father was doing. So I don't know if, if he's like holding that bag over his head because he's genuinely trying to kill himself. I don't think that he is. I think that it's more like getting like, he literally like an adrenaline rush. Like that's like how he like gets himself like amped up to go do what he's about to do. I don't know. Like I, I see the point of that. I almost think more of like, it's the childhood trauma again. Like this is what he's been used to all his life. So like, why stop even after his dad is gone? Yeah. Like just keep continuing it, but now you can do it yourself. Yeah. But again, I, I, so I think we're kind of like on the same thing where it's like, I don't necessarily think that it's him trying to commit suicide. It's more like he's used to it, whatever. Like this is just like a part of his daily routine. Mm -hmm. But when he brings his mother into the river and he has the rocks in his pockets too. Yeah. Gorgeous shot. I mean, the lighting. How deep is uh, that lake? It's so deep. That's, it's not <laughs> fucking deep, That's a deep lake. lake. That's an ocean, yeah. if anything no, else. But it really is like truly a breathtaking shot. Like if, like if you haven't seen this film, mm-hmm. solely, I think, just look up that scene. Like yeah. it is so gorgeous. The music that is playing and you you like you you'll miss it like you won't understand a couple things because like then you end up seeing um uh uh Nina Nina mm-hmm. down there Be- so like so he like lets go of his mom and she's like just you know the hair is like coming out it's fucking gorgeous and she's like fl- slowly going down and then you have Nina like also sinking and then Joe kind of like seeing her and i think in my mind i'm picturing that it's like him realizing that he has unfinished business and that he still needs to save her. So like as he was committing, as he was about to kill himself, that's him saying Nina's going to be die is going to die now too. Yeah. So then he ends up on, you know, taking all the rocks out of, out of his pockets and then starts swimming. And then you have Nina start swimming back up too. It's cause it's kind of like, as long as Joe is still alive, there's still a chance for Nina to still be alive, mm-hmm. you know? At least that's what I get from it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where it's like, this is the driving force of Joe is that there's a chance to save Nina. Yeah. So I can't die yet. Like I I have unfinished business. I have to take care of this. Yeah. And then you have like an incredibly cool idea too, where it's like, it's just super quick of like him finding the mansion, him like taking the hammer and like beating some of the guards. Like again, the aftermath of it, you're only seeing like right afterwards. And it's so easy and quick for him to, like, figure out, like, where to get in. And I loved this shot because it's, like, again, you don't have to have, like, this fancy, like, like with Kick-Ass where it's, like, okay, like, we get in and, like, here's how I kill everybody. Yeah. There's this shot of, like, you know, him just slowly walking through the mansion because he's already done it. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. And I haven't seen that, like, in any other movie before. Yeah. And then you actually get to, like where the the governor is senator no governor you're right yeah, yeah. governor is to like 
um, to finally beat his head in yeah. and save Nina. And but it's the, already been done. The big reveal is that Nina has done it herself. Yeah. And there's this gorgeous shot where it's like afterwards he he like takes off the shirt and he kind of like sits in Dude, like at the end of the bed. It's one of my favorite like it in my opinion like this movie mm-hmm. is like a master class of acting. Mm-hmm. Like Joaquin's acting in this movie should be shown to any aspiring actor of like this is how you convey every single emotion that a human being could possibly have all in the course of seven seconds. Like when he's sitting at the end of that bed on the floor, realizing that Nina has been saved. And from what I take from it is that like, he is angry. He's upset. He's relieved. He's happy that she's alive, but he's realizing that he gave up this opportunity to kind of die peacefully with his mom because mm-hmm. he wanted to save her, but she didn't actually even need saving at all because like he wants to be the hero and he, mm-hmm. and he wants to be the guy that, 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 you know, he wants to be the knight in shining armor. And at the end, it's not needed. It's not needed. And I feel like that's him feeling like lost, lost yeah. and, and, and there's that's- just so much, there's so much emotion in this movie. That's what I had in my in my notes because like you can really see that like he's so relieved that Nina can hold her own, but at the same time too, this was like his one last thing. Yeah, like this was the one thing that like he had like drive to do, and now he has nothing. Yeah, he has no mom, he has no family, he has no friends, and he has no revenge. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, and then and he's left just sitting at the edge of that bed, and then you have that really like kind of strange dark scene of mm. of her like eating dinner and yeah. she's still got the blood and it and what i imagine is probably the knife that she used to kill the governor mm. she's like eating with it but you have like really cool too when he's like trying to find her and you have like his mother laughing and then childhood him like just standing there yeah and like now the trauma is like really setting in because it's like this was like f- fighting for nina was like almost the last thing to like hold back yeah what he had of like basically insanity yeah and then to find nina and it's such like a a warming scene afterwards like when they're at the diner (laughs) which then turns into (laughs) kind of because because like it, it almost becomes now like the whole story was joe was gonna be there for nina and now after like everything said and done Nina has kind of taken on the role of being there for Joe mentally. Yeah. So Joe was there for her physically, and then Nina's here for him mentally. Yeah. And you have, like, that crazy shot of, like, she goes to the bathroom. Isn't it jaw-dropping? It is. I was like, oh, my fucking God. <laughs> what? And then, I, and then I was confused because, like, everybody just, like, seemed so normal afterwards. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, okay, this can't be real. Yeah, yeah. But, like, him, like, taking the gun and, and just Blowing shooting, his head yeah. out. Like, it was crazy, and then Nina comes back, and he just, like, literally put his head down. Yeah. And you have it where it's, like, you have to believe now, like, they're going to kind of be, like, a father-daughter type situation. Yeah, I don't know. So, like, I get a lot from that scene. I I think there's, like, kind of, like, from... There's two kind of, like, things that I bounce back and forth between of, like, what that kind of, like, represents as to, like, when he blows his head out, and Mm -hmm. then... Everybody's like acting normal. The the waitress comes over and like puts the receipt on the table and she literally is just covered in his blood and she's like, have a nice day. And you know, like she just kind of like walks away. 
and I don't know exactly. I don't know what the film, what the filmmaker's intent exactly was, but I feel like I have two, I have two versions of like what it means. And they're, they're a little similar, but like with like one key difference being that like either Joe feels that his death wouldn't really affect anybody. Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't have any connections to anybody. So if he just killed himself, everybody would still just be going on with their life. Yeah. Or it's Joe, Joe's thinking of the world and like people get murdered all the time. Things go on people, you know, you know, whatever it is, like you, you just, you know, you turn on the news and you hear everything, you know, all this disaster, you know, death, 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 death. And you still just kind of go on with your life. So I don't know if necessarily him killing himself is a representation of the world at large Mm -hmm. and like what's going on in the world and how everybody just kind of still continues on with their day. Or if it's Joe thinking personally about himself and you know, his his significance in the world it could also be like him killing like his old self and starting new now <sighs> that's uh, that's another that's something that i never really thought of i don't know because he I, like from this point he's always been like this killer and like this savior and now like he doesn't need to save anymore yeah so like maybe killing that side of him and possibly killing like the trauma like maybe helping nina was like the the resolution to like all of his trauma yeah so it's possible that like he could be killing off like his old self and starting new now. It's a possibility, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things where like again, the filmmaker does not really spoon feed you anything mm-hmm. in this movie, and it's up to you, the audience member, to make up your own conclusions. Mm-hmm. And it's something that a lot of filmmakers don't have the balls to do. In her case, the ovaries. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, boom, got him. <laughs> so you know. Um, it's just, it's just something that I respect like so much, you know, mm-hmm. like a filmmaker who, who can take a story and almost give you zero, uh, um, what's the word? Zero, you know, dialogue about mm-hmm. explaining like what's going on in the world exposition and, and almost entirely giving you visual storytelling and it's still being effective and you still fully understand what's going on. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's again, like, I think that this is a fucking masterclass of like everything. I think this is a masterclass of acting from Joaquin Phoenix. I think this is a masterclass of visual storytelling from the director. I think the score in this film, who Johnny Greenwood did from Radiohead, because, you know, Mm. he's always he's doing something. Yeah, he's always doing something. (laughs) Um, The score, I think, is so fitting that the the, the style of music, the chaoticness, the, the strangeness of the music, the way that the sound in the film is edited the 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 you know like the, the weird like mumbling which i think comes from his dad mm-hmm. like mumbling at him and like yelling at him and then and then you have like this you know the moments where like specifically uh that that hotel room scene when when he ends up killing those cops mm-hmm. um you know like you like the audio is like taken out yeah and then and then like kind of like slowly gets like introduced back in like as he's like choking him and then like as he's like looking up at his own reflection i mean it's there's 
I think that this is like borderline masterful filmmaking. Like, mm. I think this is might be like a masterpiece movie. You know, I, I, for me, at least anyway, like, you know, from what I'm thinking or from like my experience watching this movie 17,000 times that I've seen it, like, yeah, it's just a film that for me, I'm always, always blown away by everything. I think, I think the cinematography, the color grading, I think everything, I think the camera work is incredible. There, like the scene where um, where Joe's at the car and the camera is like on the car door. Do you know? Do you remember that scene? Yes. And he like opens mm-hmm. the car door and the camera like swings out and then it closes it and then it like and then it just kind of continues with him. I mean, it's fucking beautiful filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Nine out of ten hammers. Yeah. I did like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really, really, really good. But I, I think it's a movie that. If you need exp- like a lot of people just yeah, expect you, exposition. you definitely need to see this a couple of times to really grasp like what's going on. Yeah, definitely. But pay attention enough, and you realize that you don't need film. You don't, you know, you don't need to have narrators telling you what's going on, or you don't need to have a character in the movie like, "Hey, this is what's going on," and I'm go- I'm the guy that's telling you everything that's happening because the audience we think that the audience is too stupid to like really understand like what's going on here. Like this movie does not pander to the audience at all. Like yeah. this is 100% a filmmaker's film, mm-hmm. um, and I love it. So that's what I got to say about it. Nice, Frank. What would you like to recommend? Oh, Zachary, I got a recommendation indeed. Um, so we always do. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, I too am recommending a Netflix series. Ah, uh, and truthfully, I was shocked and blown away and enthralled with what I am, what I have been watching. And is it that, the American Horror Stories? No. Oh, because that I think is getting released. <laughs> oh, I don't like those. Um, yeah, me. Either. I am talking about the Queen's Gambit. Queen's Gambit. So, don't know if you've seen it. Don't know if you even know anything about it, but. The whole thing is about chess. I like chess. and I play chess. And it's got my girl, Anya Taylor-Joy, mm-hmm. from The Witch and ah. from, you know, everything that she's been in. The uh, Witch. The Witch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, ultimately, she's mm. like my ultimate, like, woman crush. Like, ah. I think that she's just fucking beautiful and whatever. But that's, that's <laughs> I hope she's point. listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please find me. Um, <laughs> Frank dot underscore. <laughs> um, so I think that yeah. So she's great in it because I mean I I also just respect her as like an actress. I think that she really is like a really really. I think like time and time again she just keeps proving herself to be like like one of the better one of the best mm-hmm. young and up and comer actresses that are that are coming out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a film, it's a, it's a Netflix series all about chess and about this girl who kind of has like this natural ability at it. Like, mm-hmm. like she, she, she finds herself like just kind of being intrigued by it and then, and then realizes that she's all like, that she's just really good at it, like naturally. Um, and I'm, I'm only like a handful of episodes in, there's only like, I think seven or eight episodes. And I think that I would imagine that it's going to finish after this. Like, I don't think it's, like I said, it's a limited series. So I mm-hmm. think it's just like one season and it's done. So I'm expecting a conclusion by the end. Um, but I mean, it, it's all about chess. It's all about, it's all about chess and her just kind of becoming this woman to like this fucking like force, you know? in in this in this chess world uh and but it also like struggles or it also dives into like similar to this movie like childhood abuse and drug addiction and things like that um but it's really 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 good and 
I I was genuinely blown away with how much I was into it, and it, it's a it's a series that. I just want to now play chess. Like I want to learn how to play. Like, I I, oh, I kind of know how to play chess. Like mm-hmm. I used to play it back in school, back in college, like a little bit, but nothing like serious, not like on a team or anything. Just like, Hey, let's play some chess. Yeah. And like, I kind of learned it, but I mean, I, I literally haven't played chess in like five or six years. So I like don't remember it much at all, but like watching the show, it's kind of like a little bit's it coming back to me. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's just, it's really, really a fantastic show. And like I said, it's only like seven or eight episodes. They're about an hour each. So, you know, you, could, you could finish playing. it in like in a week if you wanted to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's really, really, really good, and I highly, highly recommend it. So, I like playing chess a lot. Yeah, like it's, it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I have an app on my phone to play. Do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, if I'm bored, I just play against the computer. Nice, nice, cool. Yeah. So uh, the Queen's Gambit, mm-hmm. highly, highly recommend it. Very nice, Zach. Frank, what movie or uh, no? It's all we do is movies. Yeah. So. <laughs> what movie are we doing? <laughs> That's next? all we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're gonna be doing a weird one. Uh oh. We are going to be doing Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> That is Johnny Depp. Yes, it is. Yeah, I think I've. I don't know if I've seen that movie. I haven't either, but it looks weird. It looks. Yeah, it looks a little strange. Mm-hmm. I right. saw like one scene, and I was like, "Okay, Johnny Depp, you're you're in it. I know what to expect from this. <laughs> I gotta draw dirt. It's gonna be weird. <laughs> I right, give cool. it ten shillings for a bottle of rum. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So, fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Sweet. All right, Zach, please take us out. Hi guys, thank you for listening. Now Frank, it's done.